0: So, well, good morning, church. Good morning. My name is Tariq, and I lead the campus ministry. Woo! And we are, we are fabulous now. Fabulous. According to Peter, we're fabulous. So, that's awesome. Really excited for today's lesson. Um, but I actually need your help um, for the lesson here. Um, I just spent the last week at Team Camp, and Team Camp is just awesome time. Alright, Team Camp, Team Camp, Team that's a little better. Um, it was just this awesome time with the teens. Um, There's about what 500, maybe more um, teens there, and it was really awesome being able to worship with them and, and spend time with them and see them make decisions um, in their walk with God. And so, coming away from it, I am filled spiritually. I'm full, right? So that's not a problem, but physically. I am tired, I am still recovering, um, my voice recovered here, so I'm, I'm glad about that because I'm able to preach, but I need you guys to have energy today, I need some positive feedback, and even just looking around the room, I see a lot of green, alright, you see a lot of green, that's an encouragement to me because the green tribe at team camp, Eliezer won the tribe competition, and it was really awesome, it was actually really close, I'm sorry Shirley, uh, she's part of the blue tribe, uh, but it was really awesome, it was a really great time there, you know, recently as a church, we've been going through this series called Move. Right, it's this awesome series where we've been studying out the book of Acts and looking at how God moved through the church and through the people in the church. And it's really awesome, and it's really encouraging. I feel really inspired by it. I mean, hopefully you do too, but we're taking a break from that today. Okay. Right, we're taking a break, and we've been talking about moving. It's awesome, and it's, it's funny because today we're taking a break, and we're actually going to talk about bugs. Yes, bugs. bugs. All right, bugs. Who here is afraid of bugs. It's okay. Raise your hand. There's no judgment here. right? Certain bugs, some of you guys, some of you guys are kind of, so, it's funny because some of the men, some of the men here are kind of like, yeah, I'm a little afraid. All right? It's okay to be afraid of bugs. Right? So for those of you who are afraid of bugs, why, why are you afraid of bugs? What makes them
1: scary? What makes them frightening to you? Adrian? Um, look really 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 creepy when you look in their face okay yeah they're, they're creepy looking you don't want to touch them they look scared anybody else
0: in the back there angel they bite you. okay yeah some bugs bite yeah. good reason to be afraid of bugs so they bite and it hurts um, one time i got bit by a spider i was young and i was really hoping that i would become spider-man um, it, didn't, it didn't work out uh, spider-man is my favorite superhero so i was fired up but so it, didn't, it didn't work out um, any others right here they carry germs. All right that is good. All right, are you a mother? That's something mother would say. Oh um, they carry germs. right? That's good. Any other people, those of you who are afraid of bugs, there's got to be a reason, right? You can't just be afraid, Peter.
1: Well, me sometimes I saw, like, a fire on
0: my bed: and like Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's surprising, right? That's the only time I'm afraid of bugs when they catch me off guard, right? When I look down, it's on my shirt um, or something like that. Uh, that's a little scary. right? Anybody else? Afraid of bugs right here? Yeah, it's hard to to take off. Has anybody ever gotten ants all over them? Like a ton of ants? Yeah, that's kind of scary. I just read online that ants don't sleep. Did you guys know that? They don't sleep. They're awake all the time. Uh, That's crazy. Right? Let's get a few more. A few more people. Why are you guys afraid of bugs, Luis? Oh, yeah, they could be poisonous, right? They're dangerous, right? People have died from bug bites, right? They can lay eggs. Yeah, they can. They can lay eggs. Yeah, they can lay eggs in your skin. All right, that's creepy. All right, Bianca. Yeah, when there's a lot of them, it's overwhelming. Right, and it's funny because that teen camp we were at the University of Redlands. Um, there's a lot of bugs there. Um, and it's funny because there is a beetle that kept terrorizing our tribe meetings. Um, and it's funny because all the campers would really get scared. And it was interesting because all the guys in my tribe seemed to be scared. Of the bug, but the girls weren't. And it's interesting, because it really doesn't happen that way. Usually girls are more afraid. Girls are awesome, but usually they're more afraid of bugs. And it's funny, because one of the, the, the girl campers, I don't, I don't know her name, but she killed the, the beetle. And everybody got mad at her, like, why'd you kill it? But you guys are afraid, right? Uh, I don't know how that works. Right? But today we're going to talk about bugs. The title of today's lesson is The Locust Horde. The Locust Horde. Some of you guys say, yeah. Sorry for all you, you, you bu- people who aren't, who aren't a fan of bugs. Uh, hopefully you don't get creeped out by the lesson. Uh, hopefully it encouraging. But it's called the Locust Horde, And we're going to be in the Old Testament today. All right. In the Old Testament. Let's all turn our Bibles to the book of Joel. Three. Go, three. Thank you. I need that. Uh, the book of Joel here. Joel chapter 1. The title of the lesson is the Locust Horde. Alright, We're going to study out the first half of the book of Joel together today. The book of Joel is really cool because it, you can divide it into two halves. Right, part one is all about these locusts, and then the second half is about the Day of the Lord, which we'll kind of talk about today, but not really. Um, I encourage you to study up the second half um, sometime this week, because it's really awesome. Um, but we're going to kind of study it out in a summary style. Right, the Old Testament is awesome, um, and it's really fun, it's entertaining, but it's a lot of history, and history can kind of um, get a little boring. And so I'm going to try and be as entertaining as possible for you guys. Okay? But again, I need you. I need the amen. I need to preach. Okay, can you guys hear me? Is it better? Awesome. Thanks, Larry. Cool. So, Joel chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, "Um, The word of the Lord came to Joel, son of Pethuel." And this is cool because this is all we know about Joel. Right? Joel's a prophet. And outside of the fact that he's a prophet, this is all we know. We know who his dad is. Right? And it's really cool because that means the rest of the book is all about God. Right, the other prophets. This is this, Joel, the book of Joel is considered a minor prophet, right? So it's not this huge book, and it's not this big thing like Isaiah or Jeremiah. But it's really cool because it's it's all about God, right? So we're going to learn some cool things about God today. Um, but in verse two, it says, "Hear this, you elders, listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell it to your children, and let your children tell it to their children, and their children to the next generation." Right, So he's describing something that's happening. We're going to look at what what happened in verse 4 in a second. But it's cool because he's saying, pass this down. He's saying this is something that needs to be passed down from generation to generation. And it's what we're doing here today. But then in verse 4, he describes what's going on at this time. In verse 4, it says, What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, the other locusts have eaten. Right, and so it kind of just jumps out on you, but I mean, you kind of get this idea, right, he's talking about this locust swarm, and it's a sticky situation here. Right, sticky situation. Four verses into the book, we see that there's a swarm of locusts that eat everything. Right, and what the swarm didn't eat, the greater locust ate. What the great locust left behind, the younger did. And then what they didn't eat, the other locust ate. And so you get the idea that there's nothing left. Right? And since being in Southern California, living in Southern California, we're all experts in locusts, I decided to look it up. All right? Look up locusts, right? And so, locusts, think about grasshoppers. Right? I had fun doing this lesson putting it together because I, I looked up bug fats. Right? And so, grasshoppers are cool. Uh, and This is not uh, part of the lesson, but grasshoppers are cool because they can turn their head 360, 360 degrees. And because they can do that, they only have one ear, right? Because they can turn their, their head all the way around. And so that's just a bug fact for you guys. It's not related to the lesson there. Right, you're welcome. You can tell people. You can tell people at work. You can tell people at school. Right? Then you look smart, right? It's really awesome. Right? But a locust plague, right? A locust plague is said to be as devastating as an invading army. Right? It has the same type of devastation. Locusts, they gather in swarms, which are too numerous to count, and they fly several feet above the ground. Right? And so so they're kind of at your head. Right? Several feet above the ground. Witnesses say that locusts, when they swarm, they darken the sun. There's so many of them. When they swarm, that they darken the sun as they pass by. And when they land, they eat every single piece of vegetation they see. Right? So anything is game. Right? They cover anything and everything in their path. And if there's doors open or windows open or whatever, any opening, they fly through that. So you get the idea that the locusts are everywhere. And this is what's being described here in Joel. There's this huge locust swarm that just hits Judah and Jerusalem. That's the setting we're in here today. And so I, th- I think it's pretty safe to say that there's this problem. Right? It's a huge problem for the people. And if you keep reading, we see how it's described. Right? Verse five says, "Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Well, all you drinkers of wine, well, because the new wine, uh, because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. A nation has invaded my land. A mighty army without number. It has teeth of a lion." the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste to my vines and ruined my fig trees. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches as white. Right, and so you can kind of get the picture, you kind of get the idea that this locust army is pretty devastating. All right, it just came, um, what seems to be kind of random at first, um, if you're reading Joel for the first time, there's actually something behind there. Um, but they destroy everything. Right, and then in verse 13, right, again, we're doing a summary style, right, we're going to come back and see how this applies to us. But verse 13, we see Joel, the prophet Joel, he calls the people to do something, right? He says, put on sackcloth, you priests, and mourn, wail at you who minister before the altar. Come spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God, for the grain offerings and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas for that day, for the day of the Lord is near and it will come like destruction from the Almighty. Right? And so Joel, he sees all this is going on and he calls the people to cry out to God. Right? And then that's really significant and we'll look at it more in chapter 2. But the people, they're devastated and then Joel calls them to pray. Right? This is a really good tip. Right? This is a really good subpoint, But it's really cool because... Spiritual people pray when times get tough. Amen. Right? And, and yeah, it's a, it's a really tough time here. Loki's take everything. And so it's easy to go and pray. Right? But it's really cool to see how Joel is focused. Right? It doesn't say anybody else had brought this up. Guys, we need to pray. Now Joel is focused on going to God here. Right? But we see, hey, this judgment, he mentions that it's, it's part of the terrible day of the Lord. Right? And that's the second part of uh, of Joel. But it's really cool because this idea, this concept of the day of the Lord is actually um, something used frequently in the Old Testament. And it's used a, a few times in Joel. And it's, it's used to describe the extraordinary happening. Right? And so study out the second part of Joel. Um, we can't really get into depth because it's actually really deep. Um, and I would love to preach on it, but we don't have time. Unless you guys want to stay here all day. Uh, then, then I can preach on it. Right, But so far we see that locusts, they came and they destroyed everything. All right. Picture yourself there. And sorry for those of you who who don't like bugs, but picture yourself there. Locusts come. You're minding your own business. Locusts come and destroy everything. They're swarming everywhere. They're probably in your mouth, right? Probably in your eyes, in your nose, right? They're destroying everything. There's no food left. You can't go anywhere because all you go, um, everywhere you go, there's locusts and swarms of locusts. Imagine how that feels. All right. It's really frightening. It's really scary, especially if you don't know why this is happening. Right. And so locusts come, destroy everything. The people are told to cry out to God, and chapter 1 ends. All right, that's the end of chapter 1. All right, thank God there's a chapter 2, right? Let's go to chapter 2. All right, chapter 2, it begins with this warning again of the day of the Lord. But we're going to pick it up in verse 3, because Joel is describing this locust army again. And it's interesting, because he describes it in the way you would describe an army. Right, a human army. In verse 3, it says, the land is like the Garden of Eden before them. But after them, a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Right? And this is paraphrased. Right? Verse 9 talks about how they leap on the city, run into the walls. They're everywhere. Right? They climb into houses. They enter through windows like a thief. Right? That's how you would describe an army. A human army. And then verse 11 says, They are said to be the army of the Lord. The Lord utters His voice before His army, for the host is exceedingly great. He that executes His word is powerful. Right? And so it's interesting because Joel is describing these, these locusts like a human army. So you get the idea that this is a very devastating thing that's going on at this time. Right? But it's interesting to see what we discover in verse 11. Right? We discover something about this and why this is happening in verse 11 and who's causing it. But we have all these locusts. Right? These bugs. These zzzz, They're everywhere. Who are they attacking? The people. Everybody. Is there any spe- anything in specific about these people? Israelites? Yeah. God's people. These locusts are attacking God's people. Alright, let's read verse 11 again. It says, The Lord thunders at the head of His army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty is the army that obeys His command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? And so we have this army of locusts attacking God's people, but... Who sent the army? God sent the army. It's interesting. You have these locusts and they came and they swarmed. And they're attacking God's people. But God sent the army. These are his locusts attacking his people. So help me here, church. Why would God, or why do you think, we're going we're gonna to read and study it out, but why do you guys think God would do this? Why would God send an army of locusts to attack his people in a devastating way? What are your thoughts? Okay, so maybe they weren't obeying. Good. To get, to get their attention? Yeah, that gets your attention, right? An army of locusts. All right, you look up. Whoa, what's that? All right, that's good. Any others? Any other thoughts? To humble them? To humble them? Okay, maybe they're being prideful. Maybe they needed to be humble. Anybody else? Okay, to teach them perseverance during hard times. Yeah, that's good. To draw them back to himself. To draw them back to himself. Bianca. Okay, to see if they would look to him when they are in hardship. Yeah, I think those are all great answers. Those are all great answers. In in verses twelve and fourteen, they actually tell us. Right in verse, chapter two, or in Joel chapter two, verse twelve, it says, "Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart." with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return, return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and He relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Amen. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Right? Why is God doing this? Well, repentance. Repentance. Right? God is doing this because of repentance. And later on in the the passage, we're going to learn what they needed to repent from. And somebody said it. All right? Um, But we're we're going to learn what they needed to repent from. But let's kind of talk about repentance here uh, for a second. All right? Let's kind of go go through and study our repentance. What is repentance? What do you guys think? What is is repentance? Luis? Luis? Yeah, mind change followed by a change in action. Thanks, Luis. The, the, the Greek word, right? That is a perfect definition, by the way, Luis. There you go. Uh, but the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, right? Metanoia sounds a lot like metamorphosis, right? Metamorphosis, here we go, bugs, right? Metam- I'm, not, I'm not a bug-like geek, by the way. Um, okay, just putting that out there. No, I'm actually, I get afraid of bugs sometimes, um, the big ones, right? But anyways, metamorphosis means... To change, right? It's the process of a caterpillar becoming or changing into a butterfly, right? Metanoia is what Luis said, right? A mind change followed by a change in action. It means change. Repentance means change. Everybody say change. 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 Amen. Right? Repentance means change, right? But what do we repent from? Let's go to Acts and let's see what the Bible says, right? Acts chapter 3. All right, and this is my favorite scripture about repentance. It's so awesome, um, especially during the summertime. Um, this is really awesome. Acts chapter three, verse nineteen. Go, bro. Acts chapter three, verse nineteen. All right. It says, "Repent then and turn to God, so your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord." Right? We repent from sin. We change from sin. Right? There's a change. The common misconception about repentance is that people think, um, or they like to think that it means, "Oh, I'm sorry," or "I'm sorry for the sin I've done." Right? I'm sorry. Um, but no, it means change, right. right? Now, sin, what is sin? Well, the Bible tells us what sin is. The Bible is awesome because it tells us, right? Romans chapter 3, I hope you guys are ready to flip. We're going to do some flipping here. Um, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Amen. All right, Romans three 23. Don't lose your spot in Joel. I know it's a hard book to find if you have a paper Bible. Um, Romans 3, verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is falling short of God's commands. All right? Most basic definition. Sin is falling short of God's commands. And the Bible is also cool. We're not going to go there. So if you're taking notes, write these down. But the Bible details sin. It details what is sin. What actions are considered sin. In Galatians five nineteen through 21 it talks about the outer sins. The sins that you can see. It's visual. Right? It's obvious. Mark chapter 7, 21-23, Jesus talks about the sins of the heart. Right? And it's really cool because it's a really detailed list. Right, and That's what sin is. Right? I mentioned earlier that the common misconception about sin means to be, or people think it means that I'm sorry. Um, but Second Corinthians 7 verse 10, it tells us otherwise. Let's go there really quick. 2 Corinthians 7 verse, verse 10. We're flipping. We're flipping here, guys. Or you're tapping. you tapping away if you're on your phone. Just tapping away. All right, heaven away there. Um, I hope no one's playing Pokemon. All
1: <laughs> right,
0: 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation that leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Right? it says, Godly sorrow. So there's that word sorrow, I'm sorry, right? Godly sorrow, and it talks about godly sorrow, worldly sorrow, right? But godly sorrow says it brings repentance, If something brings repentance, is it the same thing? If something brings, right, so it's saying sorrow brings repentance. Common misconception about repentance is I'm sorry, right? It says sorrow brings it. If sorrow brings repentance, is it repentance? No, No, right? It's sorrow. It's related, right? You need sorrow because it brings repentance, but they're different, right? So that's why it's a common misconception there. Um, but repentance means change. Right? The, the, the repentance means change. And so going back to Joel, the book of Joel, we're going to look at what the people needed to change from in a second. But as mentioned earlier um, during the welcome, um, teen camp. right? Teen camp was, was this past week and it was really awesome. Um, really awesome. It's a great time to be together um, with teens. right? Teens is really cool because I was just even thinking about myself and how I was in high school. And, and I wasn't caught up on Jesus Right, the teens on the camp, they were caught up on Jesus. I was caught up on myself. And so it was really humbling to see that these people, as young as they are, want to follow Jesus. And it was really cool because there's a, a huge focus at the, at the camp on confession and repentance. Right, two of the, the, the sessions were about confession and repentance. And it was really awesome because we had a, we had a, a, a vulnerability night, a night of confession. And it was really cool because my, my campers um, were all from different regions of the church. And so I had people from the Inland Empire. Some, one guy was from Sacramento. Um, there's a guy from Northridge, the Northridge area. Um, I had one guy from here, CJ. I don't know if he's here today. Um, there you are, CJ. What's up, man? Nice did <laughs> see you? Right? And it was really cool because although we were from different places and they kind of knew each other because they, they kind of went through the camps together, I only knew CJ coming into it. Um, but it was really cool to see how once we confessed our sins to one another, how there was a bond that was built. Right, a relationship, was built there. And so that was one of the huge focuses of the night. And I can go on continuing to teach about repentance, um, and talk about repentance, but I thought it might be cool, um, I thought it might be a good idea to have a team come and share personally what he learned. Um, and so Brandon Wong is making his way up to the stage here. And Brandon's going to share about what he got from the camp as far as confession repentance
1: um, and repentance. And so, welcome up, Brandon. Hi. Right, so, uh, always looking, I always look forward to going to teen camp every year. It's just such an awesome opportunity to grow, whether that's through making new friendships, strengthening old ones, or just getting to know God and myself a little bit better. Uh, going into teen camp this year, there were so many aspects of my walk with God that I had no idea were in need of work. There were so many instances where I was called higher in those areas where I just needed to reaffirm my convictions, and just really reconnect with God. One of those areas that needed some attention was the way that I love people. I often find myself gravitating p- towards the people who I know will always give back to me, whether that's being loving or being giving. In doing so, though, I, I tend to leave out the people who I feel like aren't fulfilling enough for me. And that's just not, not how I should be living. So one of the lessons towards the end of camp was titled, be one, make one. And it just describes some of the key things that go into making disciples and just reaching out in general. I think one of the wake-up calls for me was the point that in order to make one, it's important to love one. Um, Victor, the brother leading the lesson, just brought up the point that we need to love them for who they are and what they've done because that's exactly what Jesus does for us every single day. Um, uh, Let's see. So... In that moment, I was just really cut to the heart because I I knew that that wasn't how I was living. And so, uh, I would just shy away from the people that I felt like weren't fulfilling enough for me. And from there, it was just so clear that I needed to rewire my heart. I needed to really repent of that selfish attitude. And through all that, I took away that as disciples, we need to be good examples of Jesus' unconditional love, regardless of the reward or the return that we would get. I made the decision to always try to do my best at denying myself and really going out there regardless of the reward or return that I may or may not get. Now, I say all this as if I've completely overcome (laughs) the struggle of loving unconditionally when, to be honest, I haven't. I still struggle with it, and I probably will continue to struggle with it. But as we all know, improvement is always appreciated. And that's what I'm looking to do, improve.
0: There you go. That's Brandon Wong, everybody. Everybody say, Good job, Brandon. (laughs) Amen. Repentance. Right? Repentance is the whole idea here in in Joel. Right? Let's turn our Bibles back to Joel. Right? Because we see that God is using these locusts to urge these people to repent. Right? And that's what he was using here. To urge them. It's really cool because God used Team Camp in the life of Brandon and many other teens and many other counselors, many other people who were there to urge them. Right? Camp was their locusts. Right? But here, let's see, and it's, it's kind of weird when you put it that way, right? Camp was their locust. Right? But here let's see, let's see what Joel says about the people and what they needed to repent from. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. Joel chapter 2, verse 25. Is everybody there? Amen. Let's go. It says, I will repay you. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts. The other locusts and the locusts swarm. my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked run wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. Alright, verse 27. Then, then you will know that I am in Israel. That I am the Lord your God. And so it's in there. The reason for repentance is in there. What they need to repent from is in there, but it's kind of hidden. But did anybody catch it? Yes. Yes. They need to put God first. Devotion. Right? Devotion. The ultimate ultimate aim in God sending this locust horde against his people is to secure their undivided allegiance or devotion. Because at some point, somewhere along the way, the people became undevoted to God. They stopped putting God first. Right? They, stopped, um, they stopped their devotion to God. Somewhere along the line, it just stopped. It came to a halt. And maybe God used other things to get their attention. Right? He probably didn't use the locust horde first. Right? But he needed to use his horde to get their attention. And that's something really cool about God and how God works. Because yes, we know that we need to seek God. Right? And yes, we know that we need to have a relationship with God, but God does seeking too. Yeah. Right? Through the locust horde, and although it seems unreasonable, and although it doesn't seem like it, God was actually seeking His people. Right? Because He was urging them to repent and put Him first. Right? The people fall, fell short in their devotion to God. But, church, why do you guys think it is important to be devoted to God? Let's have a discussion here. What do you guys think? Why is it important? What are some reasons why it's important to be devoted to God? <laughs> Jillian? Uh, well, because
1: the person who is commanded is loving God is on our heart and our soul and the, all the long times are off of it. And so hard to like, have discipleship and um, persevere in the world if we're not putting God first and being devoted to, to Him. Um, so hard to be disciples. Please,
0: devoted of him with all his heart. Okay. Okay. So it's hard to be a true Christian I'm without a sense of a de- devotion there. Good. Luis? It's hard to not connect with Him if you're not
1: reading the Bible. Okay. It's hard
0: to connect with God if you're not devoted to Him. Good. Back here?
1: He are, he's our Maker and we're happy we're
0: to him. Okay. Yeah. He's our Maker and we're happy. There's a sense of joy that comes with the devotion heart, our devoted heart to God. The fact
1: that we want to be able to spend eternity. Yeah. To him, he's to return
0: that Yeah. Right? So there's this idea of eternity. We need to be devoted to God in order to spend eternity with Him. Good. Alex? So we can give our problems and not out. Okay, so we can give our problems and not be stressed out. Right here in the front. Quite simply, it's to be connected and it's life. Yeah. It's healthy. Right? God created us. It's healthy to be connected to Him. Right? Any others? Right here.
1: Just show yeah. Sending, you know, his own son down
0: and yeah, right? Jesus and showing gratitude. It's like that's the least we could do.
1: Right?
0: right to be connected to God. I'll get a few more. Live, Bible, it it hmm. it, it it yeah, right? And so we're effective when we're connected to God. Good. If we are partially
1: in, we become religious.
0: Doors, mm-hmm. that off a lot of about what truth, yeah yeah that's true right we become this re- a religious type of mindset and it becomes a tradition we'll get, there's a lot of people uh, we'll get three more you three mm-hmm. okay yeah right he washes us of our sin. Right? We're forgiven. It's easy to be forgiven. There's a hand back here. I think you have perspective on the
1: world that we live in and have his
0: vision. Okay. And yeah, it helps us gain perspective. More uh, heavenly minded. Okay. Good. Right? More kingdom minded there. If I could rip Solomon off, there is a path that a man considers uh, good, mm-hmm. but the path thereof is the one that leads to destruction. Yeah. All right good, you ripped all of it off, right? Well that's good. All right. That's good. Thanks for, for sharing that. right? Um, I think there are many different right answers to that question. All right Everything you guys said is right. It's correct. Right. There's so many different ways you can answer that question of why we need to be devoted to God, but I think something that, that popped out to me this week is in Mark chapter 19. All right Mark chapter 19
1: and
0: verse 16. And this is one of those things that kind of, I've read this scripture so many times, but it didn't pop out to me until I read it this past week. Um, I mean, it's Matthew, Matthew 19, not Mark. Matthew, 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 Matthew. He's like, Mark 19 is not in there. What are you talking about? Uh, Matthew. He says Steve Harvey. <laughs> uh,
1: Matthew chapter
0: 19. No, that was funny. Whoever said that. Um, Matthew chapter 19, right? The, the parable of the rich young man. Um, and Jesus here it says verse 16 it says just then a man came up to Jesus and asked teacher what good things must i do to get eternal life great question to ask jesus verse 17 it says why do you ask me about what is good jesus replied there is only one who is good if you want to enter life keep the commandments which ones he inquired and jesus replied replied you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal you shall not give False testimony. Honor your father and mother. Right? Can the parents say amen? Amen. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor as yourself. All these I kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect. If you want to be perfect. That's what stood out to me. If you want to be perfect. It's interesting Jesus would say that. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Alright, Interesting. Interesting conversation that, that this took place. Right? He says, if you want to be perfect, sell everything. Right? I looked that up. I did some research. Right? Um, because we're, we're not perfect. And so why would Jesus tell someone who's imperfect to be perfect? And it actually means complete. Right? What Jesus meant there. What he was saying. If you want to be complete. And he says, go sell all your possessions. But what kept this man from being happy? We see, he walked away sad. Right? So something was there. Was it, was it his greed? Was it the fact that he was materialistic? Or was there something else there? Himself. Right? Himself? Right? He was selfish? He put his wealth first. Okay, he put his wealth first. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's all of those. I think all those fall under his devotion to God. Right? Because if he was devoted to God, he would have done it. If he had a 100% completely devoted heart to God, he would have done it in a heartbeat. Right. Right? But because he wasn't 100% devoted to God and devoted to Jesus and devoted to what the Bible called him to do, he walked away sad. But it's cool because Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete. Right? That's the phrase Jesus used there. When we're devoted to God, when we're 100% devoted to God, we're complete. Right, that's something that kind of popped out to me. Um, I think a, a camper shared that scripture with me. Um, I'm not sure; I don't remember, but it's really cool to see his, Jesus and how He phrased that. Right? We're complete, Ryan. Right, so back to Joel. When God looked at these people, He saw half-hearted allegiance. You know, they weren't devoted to Him, and because of that, He urged them to repent. And so, when God looks at you, when God looks at each and every one of you, and your level of devotion, of devotion to Him. What does he see? Alright, think about that. What what does God see? Does he see someone who's fully devoted to him? Or does he see a half hearted allegiance? Alright? Does he see somewhat of a devotion to him? Or does he see complete devotion to him? You know, think about that and and as you're thinking, dream with me for a second. Right? Because we're talking about devotion here. We're talking about being close to God. But what would your life look like with a continued, wholehearted devotion to God? Think about that. What would your life look like if you had a continued, wholehearted devotion to God? Right? Not just a, a heart where it's devoted sometimes. Right? It's devoted for a few months. Right? Out of the year. A continued, wholehearted devotion to God. What would that look like? You know, what needs would be met? Right, the Bible talks about how God is the one who can meet our needs. Right? What needs of yours will be met with a wholehearted devotion? All of them. You'd be complete. Right? What big issues in your life would grow smaller because you're close to God? Because you're devoted to God wholeheartedly? Right? At teen camp, they talked about Goliaths. Right? Everybody in their life, they have these Goliaths. Right? These huge things that they need to overcome. Right? What would your Goliaths look like if you're wholeheartedly devoted to God? What problems would just melt away? Because you're devoted to God. You know, imagine what God could do through you. We're talking about move and we're setting out this, this, this series in Acts, but imagine what God can do through you because you're devoted to Him wholeheartedly. What can God do? You know, the impossibilities are endless. Right? The possibilities are endless if we're devoted to God, And maybe you're here this morning and you feel devoted. You feel like you're wholeheartedly devoted to God and, and you're fired up. And that's good. I encourage you to stay that way. Because if you continue to stay that way, you're going to become a walking testimony of what it looks like for somebody to be devoted to God. And people are going to see your life and they're going to question it. And they're going to say, why, why do you have it all together? Why does trouble come your way and you still stand firm? And you can answer, well, I'm a part of the Lifeway Church. No. Uh, but you can answer, I'm just close to God. Right? We all know those people. We all know people who are close to God and, and everything they do seems to, to just go well for them. There are people out there. Right? Or maybe you're here and you, you don't feel as devoted. You don't feel like you're as devoted as you need to be. There's areas in your life where you're not devoted to God yet. Right? You, you feel like you're not wholeheartedly devoted to God. And I'm going to encourage you because you're in the right place. Right? Because we see that, that in Joel, God used the locust horde to get the people's attention. Maybe I'm your locust horde, and God's using me to get your attention. He's using this message to get your attention, to be devoted to Him. Amen. Right? And return to Him. And so I'm going to close off with some practicals, and we'll close with a scripture here. Um, of what happens when we're devoted to God and Joel. But we talked about repentance today, and Brandon did a great job sharing uh, for repentance. But identify an area in your life where you need to repent. Right? Maybe it is devotion. Maybe you need to be devoted to God more. And if so, maybe that's your area where you need to work on repentance. If not, maybe you have another area. Maybe you're devoted to God, and, and every time I say repentance, you think of something. Right? That's kind of how it works, um, with me at least. Right? When somebody says repentance, things come to my mind. Right? And so identify one area where you need to work on. One area and share it with somebody here today. Someone you're close to would come up with a plan of repentance. A plan to change from that. Everyone say change. Amen. Amen. Right? Practical number two. Get devoted. Right? If you don't feel like you're 100% devoted, get devoted. Maybe you need to talk to somebody who is devoted. Right? Maybe you can in the fellowship, you can ask people in the fellowship, hey, how do you, how do you feel? Where is your level of devotion? Right? Maybe you're struggling with your level of devotion in certain areas. And you're like, hey, how, how does this work for you? I'm struggling in my life, in my devotion, my area of devotion here. Can you help me? All right? And come up with a plan together to be devoted to God. You know, in closing... Alright, let's go back to Joel. And let's look at what happened, right? Because we know that the locusts came. Um, it, was, it was scary, and they, they destroyed everything, and they devastated. The people were devastated. But Joel chapter 2, verse 25. Alright, Joel chapter 2, verse 25. This is God talking, and God tells us what will happen if we're devoted, if we repent. It says in verse 25 I will repay you for the years of locusts you have eaten, for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locusts and the young locusts. The other locusts and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel. That I am the Lord your God and there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. It's cool because God is saying, God is telling us, Hey, when we repent, when we become devoted to Him, everything seems to turn around. Right, everything that we think is going bad for us seems to turn around. And so I ask you this morning, church, what do you need to repent in? Right, do you feel like, are you devoted to God? And if not, get devoted to God. Right, it's not a hard thing to do. Um, God wouldn't make being devoted to Him hard if He wants it. Um, so it's not a hard thing to do. It's just us. We just need to put um, a plan of action. Yeah. So hopefully that was an inspiring and encouraging time in the Word of God this morning in the book of Joel. I'm going to go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Uh, good morning, Father. Thank you so much for the God that you are, Father. The God who wants a relationship with us, Father. And the God who will do anything to get it, Father. It is really encouraging to see how you went after your people in, in the book of Joel here, Father, through locusts. And you just wanted to urge them to repent and urge them to have a relationship with you, Father God. I pray that you are with us. Father, I pray that we put into practice a plan of repentance, Father, and become refreshed. God, the Bible says repentance is refreshing and is like a cold glass of lemonade um, or a cold glass of water. Father God, I pray that we repent and we do so with a joyful heart, Father God. I pray that we continue to be devoted to you if we are devoted to you, Father. And if if not, I pray that we get devoted to you, Father. And I pray that the world could see what you can do through a devoted heart. Father God, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. In your name I pray. Amen.